What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. I'm John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Feeling a little bit better today. Not quite all the way 100%, but I don't look like I have a horrible case of pink eye anymore. Congestion is not too bad, so let's see how these stories go. All right, let's read some stories. Hidden back? All right. This was plenty of years ago, back when I was a four-year-old. We lived in a townhouse neighborhood with a playground in the middle. Me and my older brother, 11 years old, were playing in the playground behind our house and being the mean older brother, he liked to hit me and I ran to my parents crying. My mom, tired of this constant play, tells me to just hit him back when he hits you. And as a kid, I knew I couldn't really do anything to an 11 year old, so I started planning in my child mind of how to hit him back. I then proceeded to find a 2x4 from a neighbor's backyard who was fixing their fence and I hit around the corner. When my brother went to try and head home, the second he rounded the corner, four-year-old me smacks him in the head with it, and I run back to my mom, scared I'd get hit again, and my brother followed me back. After my mom saw him, he was rushed to the hospital because I had split his scalp open, and he needed stitches. I never got in trouble because I listened to my mom's words. Dude, that is like a mean family. It sounds mean. Speaking of mean, so this is my dad's, not my story, but... My dad grew up with uh, either either 11 or 12 or 13 brothers and sisters. I can't ever remember what it was because I guess back then they didn't have much in the way of TV and uh, board games weren't real popular, I guess. Anyway, one of the brothers was particularly vulnerable to being picked on, I guess. I don't know why he was the target, maybe because he was one of the younger ones. But they grew up on a farm in, in northern Maine and they would do all kinds of stuff. Uh, some of it was intentional, some of it was unintentional. Uh, like one time, you know, the old style doorknobs, uh, where they, there's a little set screw to hold the knob onto the square shaft in the old, you know, mortise style doors like I have here in my house. I'm pointing like you can see it. I'll put a picture up here. Anyway, well, in the barn, they had a box of old parts. And one of them was that square stem with the doorknob on the other side. Well, it was those old heavy metal doorknobs. And my dad was taunting the younger brother doing this in his face. And evidently the doorknob flew right off, beamed him right between the eyes. He went over backwards, had a lump between his eyes for about a week. And uh, another time they were sitting on the barn roof. Now they used to make their own darts. They would sharpen the end of nails on the grinder. And then they would tape feathers to the end of this nail to make basically their own kind of darts. And they were sitting on this barn roof, and when he came by, they started winging darts at him, and one stuck, you guessed it, right in the top of his head. Yeah, he did, this guy just had no luck. Give me a hand. So my old manager was a D. He barely did his job and would bend backwards over his employees to avoid conflict. Imagine the most lily-livered person ever. Add screaming for no good reason, and there you have him. Now, one of my coworkers gives no craps. He also has a missing arm. He tells a different story every time you ask him about it. These stories have included everything from a bear to rescuing his wife from vampires. <laughs> and I asked his wife. She repeated the vampire story, so that's the most likely story. He has a prosthetic arm to help him out. It doesn't get in the way of his work at all, and he's kind of fun to be around. One day, my old manager walked into the room we were in, ticked off about something insignificant, as usual. Spot on my coworker and I and screamed, Give me a hand! My coworker rolled up his sleeve, ripped off his prosthetic, and flung it at the heifer's face. 
god. To his credit, the rat dodged it in a rather impressive display of flight. He then ruined his impressive momentum by screaming some gargling slobber, then ran to his office where he screamed into the phone about discipline and respect. This incident was apparently the straw that broke the blowfish's back because the manager quit not long after, citing a hostile work environment. We now have a manager who is a wonderful person who could actually lead a horse to water and is patient enough to wait for it to drink. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> Threw his arm at him. Oh, that sounds like something I would do. Uh, as long as I knew I could get it replaced without a whole lot of hassle. One of my grandfathers, uh, he had a prosthetic leg. He lost it due to cancer probably before I was even born or when I was little. And uh, over the years, he had to have some repeat surgeries on the stump and everything. But overall, he had the same style leg for years. And it was sort of a suction cup deal with a little harness that would go around in case the suction let loose. Um, looked real enough when he was wearing pants and shoes and things like that. And uh, one day somebody was giving him grief over something. I don't remember why. Maybe it was the way he walked because, you know, he kind of had to do a little hip lift every time he took a step with the side with the prosthetic on it. And uh, he reached in his pocket and he could hit the switch, not switch, like a little valve where the suction was. And uh, he released it. He kept on moving and he did a little hop and his leg just kind of dragged along and then dropped out of his pant leg and uh, freaked people out. And evidently that day he got tired of wearing that little truss harness thing and he didn't have it on that day. So it was really easy for him to just let it loose. And yeah, it sent people screaming. Mel's Wargo never makes a mistake. This is my grandfather's story and dates back to the 60s. My grandfather was a first-generation American, the youngest son of eight children, son of English immigrants. He met his sweetheart at age 19 and married her soon after. Her family were Californios, Mexican citizens who became Americans due to California becoming part of the U.S., and suffered some prejudice due to their heritage. My grandfather used to go to the bank with his father-in-law to make sure that he was able to cash his paychecks without issues. One time, the bank teller passed him his money instead of counting it out, so after leaving the counter, he counted up the funds and found the teller had accidentally given him twice the amount shown on the check. So my grandfather and his father-in-law went back up to the teller and said, uh, Excuse me, ma'am, but I think you made a mistake. Looking down her nose at him, she said in a condescending tone of voice, Mel's Wargo never makes a mistake. Being an honest guy, the father-in-law said, But then my grandfather stopped him and said, You heard her. Mel's Wargo never makes a mistake. Let's go. And off they went. Yeah, I can see getting away with that back in the 60s, maybe even early 70s. But uh, after that, it got pretty much impossible to uh, get away with that money and keep it. It would have been found out eventually uh, through record keeping, even before computers got to the point where they were as good as they are now. Don't try this today, kids, because uh, even if it's the bank's error and you keep that money and refuse to return it, you will go to jail for theft. How my great-grandfather got into the firehouse. So my great-grandfather, the father-in-law, was the first Latino hired to a fire department in a very large California city. He, along with the sole African-American, were told their living quarters were in a glorified shed in back of the firehouse. Naturally, both were ticked about it, but what were you going to do? Well, my great-grandfather was a darn smart man and had been trained to cook very well by his mother. So he hatched a plan. He brought in a camp stove and a fan 
put the fan in the window, and camp stove behind it. He proceeded to cook the most amazing smelling meals, while the boys in the big house were struggling not to burn their hot dogs and hamburgers night after night. The other firefighters would wander by the shed to see what was cooking and see if they could score a plate. His answer was something along the lines of, Well, dang, sorry, our quarters aren't really suited to cooking for more than two. Shame we can't live in the firehouse where there's a proper kitchen to feed everyone from. It didn't take long before the segregated quarters were back to being a shed. He took his turn cooking like all the guys, and you can bet they looked forward to those meals. Yeah, those were definitely different times back then, especially regionally. It depends on where you were at the time. I'm glad we're making progress over the years, and, you know, we continue to make progress every day. Except in general, people are still a-holes and uh, very selfish. It's not always about race. Sometimes it's just being a dick. Big Boss doesn't understand my team. On mobile, and my English has never been the best, I now work in internal recruitment and recruit nurses. Big Boss pulls my team and I into a big meeting about our timekeeping. Early starts, late finishes, long lunches, going to the gym midday, etc. I try to explain that unlike other sectors, nurses don't go near their phone 9 to 5. They're usually with patients. Typically, most of our day is admin, email, development, etc. And the early starts are to get the night staff on the phone and late finishes the day staff. The long lunches, midday gym, late start for late finishers, early finish for early starters, etc. And whatever, is so that my guys have a work-life balance. Big Boss doesn't like it, insists 9 to 5 like everyone else. My team and I just laughed and said, okay, hold team malicious compliance on this one. No one worked before or after their shift by a minute. Worst two performing months in company history for nursing. Best part is he ended up with a lot of out-of-hours calls that we usually picked up. Big Boss pulled us all into a meeting today and told us to run things as we saw fit, apologized, and has also offered to pay us for any extra out-of-hours calls outside of our standard seven hours. So this is a Big Boss that you can work with. So while he didn't understand, put his foot down and said, you know, we're going to do this my way. That's fine. He didn't understand what he was getting himself into. But once he saw what was going on and why you guys did things the way you did, he was willing to listen and change and apologize. Now you got somebody that you can work with. I mean, everybody makes mistakes, including big bosses. Um, but they were willing, he or she, I don't know if it even said, but the big boss was willing to listen to you guys at that point because they saw the error of their ways. Good on the big boss. And good on you guys for showing them. Too helpful? My great-grandpa had a cure. Wow, this guy gets around. The last of my grandfather's funny stories, once again, happened to his father-in-law. My great-grandfather was a firefighter, and there was always one policeman who would race to arrive at accidents and other scenes first. He'd stick out his chest and act like a big man while the firefighters were working and help direct things that didn't need directing. One day he was, once again, first, acting the big man. He turned to my great-grandfather and made the mistake of offering help. My grandfather handed him a bucket, pointed to an object near the accident, and said, Sure, can you go pick that up for me? <laughs> I see where this is going. Sure, the officer said, and walked over to find a severed head from a motorcycle accident. He was never first to arrive again, and sure as hell didn't offer help anymore. Be careful what you ask for. Volunteering for things you know nothing about can get you into some weird situations. Second of all, in this day and age... Firefighters aren't generally the people, unless they're, they're the EMS crew and everything all wrapped into one, uh, that would be going around collecting 
parts in buckets. And the police usually don't get involved in that either. They may find something and then mark the spot or stand there and mark the spot um, until somebody can come over and deal with what's going on and take pictures. Everything's photographed and documented these days. I mean, to a T. So, yeah, that is really different. Not sure that's the job I'd want, but. Want me to pay at the cashier? No problem. I live with my boyfriend who owns a coffee shop. People tend to scramble a few 10 cent or 20 cent coins to pay for the coffee, so we always have plenty of them laying around. I usually use them to pay for the groceries. I usually go to the same store because they have self-service checkouts so the cashiers don't have to count the tons of coins I would pay with. I always go about one hour before the closing time because of work. Take a shopping cart, pick up 50 to 100 euros worth of groceries and pay at the self-service. It never was an issue until recently. I was told that I can't bring the shopping cart to the self-service area. I explained I was planning to pay with coins and it would take ages for a cashier to count it. And personally, I didn't mind going to the cashier. They said that it doesn't matter because there isn't enough space in self-checkout area for a shopping cart. BS. You could fit at least four of those carts beside each other and somehow people with prams and buggies were allowed even if they were taking much space. I said whatever and took my cart to the cashier. Shop was closing in about 15 minutes. My total was around 100 euros, so I handed her a few money bags with my 10 cent and 20 cent coins. <laughs> they were mixed up and not pre-counted. The cashier tried to send me back to the self-service area. I simply replied that it was somehow a store policy and I'm not allowed over there, so unfortunately she'll have to count all those coins. I calmly added that I'm in no rush so she can take her time and thank her colleagues if she wants to. I left the store 20 minutes past the closing time. If I was using the self-service, it would have taken me about five minutes. I don't understand how that policy just all of a sudden popped up. But anyway, hey, if it's store policy, it's store policy. You were paying with legal tender. What's the problem? Now, I would have probably still helped the cashier count everything out in the stacks and things like that. Like here in the U.S., if it was, you know, nickels, I would have stacked nickels, stacked dimes, stacked quarters so that at least it was a little easier for the cashier to count. But yeah, rules are rules, right? Everything's locked in the display case. I used to work for a national office supply store 15 years ago in the technology department for the afternoon shift. The way it worked was that the guy working mornings usually received the freight and would sort what could be placed directly on the shelf and what stuff needed to go into locked areas along with separating tech stuff from other office stuff. USB thumb drives at the time were like brand new and I remember a one gigabyte cost like $100 so stuff like that gets put in a locked display case. Usually by the time I got there, he was more than halfway done placing inventory where it needed to go. The first stuff to get put away was expensive items that needed to get locked up, so a customer with sticky fingers wouldn't walk off with it. Anywho, morning guy quit, and the store manager told me I was now responsible for his job and my job. I really gave it a go for about a week, hoping the manager would either hop in and help, or they would have a replacement soon enough. Needless to say, it was total chaos and an impossible job. When we would leave at night, stuff just kept on accumulating from the previous days, along with empty shelves. Then I got told that they hadn't even posted a job announcement and that they were not hiring a replacement. It was just me. Not okay. To make things worse, the manager has scolded me that there is stuff in boxes I haven't even had time to open that are out on the floor in the cart I used to transport that should have been locked away hours ago because somehow I'm a superhero and can do this even faster than when two employees are doing the job. Cue malicious compliance. I don't have time to sort out what needs to go where, so I open up that glass display case and just start chucking stuff in. 
Pick number two mechanical pencils? Yup, right next to those $100 thumb drives. Post-it notes? Yup, right next to that $1,000 Canon Rebel digital camera. Whiteout naturally goes on top of the boxes for those expensive laptops in the case. I filled the display case to the brim and was only barely able to get the doors to slide closed and locked. Then I go on break. Manager has now noticed this problem and is lava level mad. I tell him everything is locked up just like he asked. And I tell him that unless he plans on hiring another employee, I wouldn't be working there anymore. We had another guy hired in two days. Funny how manager's attitude changes when they have to start doing the work. If the system was working, even if it wasn't working 100%, but if it was pretty much working and the people there had it figured out and were getting things done with two of them, why would you think leaving one to do it would work? Like, I don't, I don't get it. You weren't saving any money you, because you were wasting all your time having this guy constantly just putting stuff away. I don't know. People are stupid. Carry-on bag is too big. I'll just wear my clothes then. Another post on here reminded me of this story from several years ago when I was a student and backpacking across Europe. I was flying with a budget airline with carry-on only. I had one small suitcase that was within the maximum size requirements and a small purse. As I got in line to board, an employee pulled me out of line to ask me to put the suitcase in their metal sizer. The suitcase was pretty full and bulging a bit, so even though it was the right size, it didn't go into the sizer easily, and the employee stopped me from pushing the suitcase in, saying it needed to fit into the sizer without using any force. She tried to get me to check my bag for 60 euros, which was a lot of money for me at the time. Instead, I opened my suitcase in front of her and proceeded to start putting on several items of clothing. I was already wearing a sweater and ended up putting on a t-shirt, a long sleeve, another sweater, and a cardigan. Closed my suitcase and it suddenly fit into the sizer without force. She begrudgingly let me board while wearing my five tops. As soon as they scanned my ticket and checked my ID, I pulled over to the side, opened my suitcase, took off all the extra layers, put them back in my suitcase, and continued down the runway to the plane all within view of the employee that tried to get me to check my bag. Edit. Some people are saying that since my bag didn't fit into the sizer, it wasn't within the size requirements, and I should have paid to check it. As I mentioned in the comment, my bag was full but not overstuffed. I probably could have taken out just one sweater and been fine, but I wanted to make a point and be 100% sure the bag would fit into the sizer without force. If I had been allowed to gently push it in, it would have fit into their sizer. On the same trip, I flew on other airlines that had the same max size requirements and was able to fit this same suitcase packed similarly into their sizers without issue. My suitcase with the extra clothes packed back in also fit into the overhead bin easily once I was on the plane. The airline on my post is notorious for trying to charge you for every little thing while providing the worst possible service. The fact that many people have correctly guessed the airline is very telling of their business practices and reputation. Well, I'm not even going to try to guess which airline, um, but I will say that if it's a soft-sided bag and it was full, I've found that sometimes rearranging the way things are packed inside of the bag makes all the difference. I had a uh, military-style backpack, military-style, in color only and some molly straps and compartments, but anyway, it split down the side. It sucks. But I would use that as my carry-on. If I'm, you know, if I'm flying somewhere for a few days up to a week, I can carry everything I need in one backpack. So I don't have to check a bag. I don't have to wait for it. I don't have to, you know, check it in and all that stuff. My backpack was bought with the intention of fitting into all those sizers. Well, if I pack it one way, it doesn't fit into the sizer. Like it's skinnier than the sizer, but wider this way. And even if I turn it, it doesn't fit right. Um, but if I rearrange some things and cinch down on the side straps, it would slide right in. 
So if they told me it wouldn't fit into the sizer, all I would do is drop it on the floor, put a knee in the middle of it, unless my laptop was inside, and then I'd have to be a little more ginger with it. Pull the side straps to tighten it up, and then it would squish everything down inside. It would fit right in. I could drop it right in the box, no problem. Uh, I've got a replacement faux military-style backpack. We'll see how it goes. I don't expect that to last as long as a real you know, military government-issued pack, but... It's nice to have the extra sorted pockets and the molly straps for like clipping on water bottles and things like that. So, and plus if I ever go hiking or camping with it, I like the fact that it has a waist and a chest strap, uh, which keeps the load where it's supposed to be and makes it a lot easier to hike without, you know, wearing yourself out of the backpack, you know, wobbling you side to side and beating the crap out of your back. So you've been listening to story time with uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.